Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. With no games to go over yesterday, today is sort of a weird in-season episode that's going to feel, I think, maybe a little bit more like an off-season show. Welcome to it, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. I think we've been crystal clear about that stuff so far. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I'm tired, man. I don't know why. Oh, maybe it's because of children being sick for weeks and then back spasms and stuff like that. I do feel better today, though, just in case anybody was wondering. If you were like, Dan, I don't care about fantasy sports. What I want to know is, how are you feeling? And the answer is, a little bit better. So what the hell are we going to do today? That's the question I'm sure you're all wondering. How did Dan figure out what to do with this weird Wednesday episode coming off Election Tuesday where there were no games? And the answer is, I kicked a few ideas around. I kicked around the idea of doing a buy low, sell high episode, but meh, it's been done. I kicked around the idea of bringing a guest on, and I actually did want to do that, but my schedule's super weird because uh, for some reason preschool has parent-teacher conferences, so little boy is home today. So that didn't really fit. And what I landed on was a combination of two things that we're going to talk about today. Thing number one is what to do about the single most terrifying fantasy asset going right now. And you all know exactly who that is, but obviously we'll talk about it momentarily. Thing number two, I thought it might be kind of interesting, and I threw this out on social media as well, to check in on the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad, which... I think most of you that are listening now probably listened during draft season. My guess would be that you're all kind of holdovers. But you never know when someone might find the show for a first time. And by the way, thank you again to those that are continuing to drop ratings and reviews on the pod and subscribing. That's how we find new listeners, folks dropping in for the first time. You're the best. But, and and look, I'm always going to do a show. uh, Every show I'm going to pretend like someone's listening for the first time. The Dan Bespers Old Man Squad is no longer that old. They are still old-ish, and it's kind of the same general story. Guys that fell make up the vast majority of the names on the Dan Bespers Old Man Squad. The guys that fall tend to be a little bit older or a little bit boring, but it's not everybody. Sometimes there are guys that just simply aren't going high enough. But we're three weeks into the season now, pretty much exactly three weeks into the season, So it's time to check in and figure out how some of our handicapping went. And I actually want to start with that topic on today's show. So very quickly, for those that have forgotten, and this would be quite reasonable because it was like 30 names, more actually, I think it was like 40 names. These were basically the 40 draft day targets, which I realize sounds like a big number, but you're not going to get all the guys that you're hunting for. So it's important to have more than like 14 or 15 names on your board because if somebody gets snapped, you want to be able to pivot to someone else. Very fast here. Uh, you know, Ace Ventura, Ray Finkel style. KD, Dame, LeBron, Kyrie, DeJounte, Murray, Kawhi Leonard, Freddie Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Vooch, CP3, Drew, Christoph Porzingis, Terry Rozier, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Desmond Bain, Mikael Bridges, Keldon Johnson, 
That's how many is that? That's like the first almost 20. Jakob Pertl, Jamal Murray, Devin Vassell, Al Horford, Gary Trent Jr., Brandon Clark, Laurie Markinen, Gordon Hayward, D'Anthony Melton, Jalen Smith, Brooke Lopez, Isaiah Jackson, Cam Johnson, Mike Conley, and Kelly Olynyk. I'm guessing that as I went through those names, the ones that jumped out at you are the ones that are crashing and burning, and that would be perfectly reasonable. But let's just go through them pretty quickly here. I don't, you know, more than no more than 15 to 20 seconds on any in particular. We'll average it out to about 15 or 20 seconds. And let's just see what we're doing so far. And if there's nothing to take away from it, then fine. Even better. We can move through in five seconds. Kevin Durant. Nothing to take away from that one. He was the guy that we targeted at the top of almost every single draft. And so far, that's worked out great. He's top four. Uh, and he's just coasting along as fantasy brilliance, as per usual. Damian Lillard, who I'm ranking as kind of fine so far. I feel like Dame's been good. He's number 19 on a per-game basis. He missed a week with a calf thing, and overall for him, a lot of stuff looks pretty good. The only thing that may be a little bit low, we'd like to see the assists come up a little bit. Um, Steals at .7, I'd love to see that climb up to about 1.0. And then you'd hope turnovers creep back down, maybe closer to three instead of four. And that'll push him up towards the turn, which is, I think, roughly where we thought we'd be with him anyway. Uh, Possibly a little bit earlier, depending on who maybe falls back that's currently in front of him. Like like a Lowry Markkinen, who's in front of Dame right now, or OG Ananobi, who's in front of him. So that one's what I would call, like, fine. LeBron James hasn't been good so far. Simple enough. Um, That one's been one that hasn't hit to this point. But I remain fairly confident in LeBron. He's dealing with a left foot thing. He dealt with a flu on top of it. He's got no lift right now. All you got to do is watch like four minutes of him play, and you're like, oh, that's not LeBron. And he actually looked like himself for like the first two games of the year. And even then, he still wasn't really finishing at the rim all that well. But right now, like if you watch him take a jumper, they are all way short. He's taking these fadeaways that aren't even drawing iron. That's going to come around. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. So it's been bad so far, but I'm not super worried about it. Kyrie Irving was on the board, and actually prior to the suspension, that was going great. He was number 11. Uh, his numbers are fantastic. You feel goal percent even probably creeps up a little bit higher. I, I think he probably does work his way back here by the end of the five-game suspension. It seems like he's doing all of the things that the Nets have asked of him. The Nets, by the way, pivoted this morning to hire Jacques Vaughn instead of Ime Udoka. So you can see Brooklyn's trying to tamp down the bad news, the swirling cloud of crap that's been coming over uh, over them with the Kyrie stuff and then the Udoka stuff. It's just been ugly after ugly after ugly. Losing has been a part of it, but they've actually played better since they kind of, well, since the Kyrie stuff blew past. I know they lost their last one, but I think they won two in a row before that. Uh, I think that having Jacques Vaughn in there, even if maybe he's not... Like, you could make the argument that Ime Udoka is a better coach, but that doesn't matter right now. He's been suspended for a year for misconduct. You can't hire that guy. So Kyrie's kind of what I'd call a meh to this point. Like, if he didn't get suspended, he'd be a win. But I can't call him a, a miss, because everything was going fine until he kyrie it and now we just kind of have to hope that like okay if these five games let's hope that he goes another month or two and then you know another two or three games for some other dumb thing hopefully not as bad as this one 
DeJounte Murray, big win. Nothing really to, to read into on that one. He's done more than expected, I believe. His steals, we knew the steals, the rebounds, all that stuff would kind of buffer against any falloff. But he's actually been better at the free throw line and at three-point line than we thought. Um, and he's probably going to be a win all year. I see no big reason why that one should taper off. Uh, plenty of stuff that'll balance out whatever drops off. Now, the next one on the list is a huge L. Kawhi Leonard. Where with LeBron, he's off to a bad start. I think he'll be fine. Kawhi Leonard, this is a disaster. But we're going to talk more about him later in the show, so I'm not going to go in deep right now. Freddie Van Fleet, that's been a win. His back stuff was annoying, but uh, he's number 12 on a per-game basis. And, I mean, you knew going into it he was going to miss 20 games this year. So, you know, what does he miss now? Three? Did he miss three with the back thing? All right, he's still got 17 to go. Jimmy Butler, that's been an easy win. I mean, that was like a blindfolded pick. Dumbest person on earth could have figured that one out. Jimmy Butler, he's going to miss 15 to 20 games this year, but he was getting drafted in the mid-30s, and this is a guy who's always in the teens on a per-game basis. So again, all he really has to do was only miss like 20 games, and he beats his ADP, and anything beyond that is just sweet, delicious gravy. I think he missed two for a hip so far. That's less than one a week, then you're on pace. Easy one, especially for Roto. Nikola Vucevic, I'm going to call that one a win so far. He's pretty much been right around his ADP to this point. Vuce is ranked 37th. That's about where he was going. And this is probably about where he coasts for most of the year. I'd love to see him take a uh, another shot, perhaps, like one more shot per game, get the usage up just a little bit. 16.5 points, tad on the low side. Everything else is fine. Free throws are good. Field goal percent is lower than it has been, but I don't expect much because he's shooting more three-pointers. Uh, I would think the steals come up from point three, probably more towards point six, point seven. Blocks stick around one. He probably moves up a tiny bit from here, if I had to guess, maybe into the early 30s. Uh, and so that one's been, I think, pretty good so far. And he's played in their ball games, which, like, that means something. He's played in 12 games to this point. CP3, uh, heel injury. I'm going to mark him as a meh to this point because, you know, the game where he only played a couple minutes drove him down the board. He was ranked in the late 30s which is right around where he was getting drafted. So at that point, it was kind of like, okay, this is fine. But he was shooting 36% at that point. So looking at Paul, it was always like, all right, at some point, this 36 is going to become a 46 or better. He's going to climb from late 30s into late 20s, I think at the absolute deepest, probably earlier. And then he hurt his heel. So uh, Chris Paul's still kind of a buy low. It's tougher to make that move when he's hurt, but they're not calling this anything more than soreness. So I'd assume he's back in about a week. So I'm going to call that one a fine. So far, I still think that Chris Paul ends up as a hit. Drew Holiday, easy hit so far. He's out right now. I don't expect him to be out long. He's played in 10 of their games at this point. He's number 22, smoking his ADP with another great season defensively and just doing a lot of stuff. His role is going to shrink a bit when Chris Middleton comes back, and that's not too far from now, but I think still a pretty easy win. Kristaps Porzingis had a weird shooting game his last time out. Missed a bunch of free throws. Uh, that moved him back down from the teens to number 33. I'm not worried about him. He's played in their games so far, so he's punking his late 40s ADP, and I think he even gets better. We'll call that one a win as well. Terry Rozier, I, and I put this one on Twitter, and, and some folks were like, why you have him marked as a, as a loss so far? Well, he's only played in four games of their first dozen, however many it's been, 11. I think they played 11 games so far. And sure, the 23 points, the three threes, six boards, six assists, that stuff is all very good. Um, but the steals have not been there yet. 
He's shooting a high volume, 39% from the field, which is absolutely atrocious. Three turnovers per, per game. And then, the, I mean, the big thing is that he just hasn't been healthy. So perhaps I could have marked this one as an it'll be fine, like a, a yellow circle that I put on Twitter. But I put it as a red because I just want to be really, I you know, I want to be uh, as hard on myself as possible. And it hasn't been good so far. But I do think that one turns around, and I think most people would agree it will too. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, not much needs to be said there. Um, one of the biggest wins in fantasy, and I'm just happy that he's on our list. Desmond Bain, not much needs to be said there. He's also a massive win, and he's on our list. Cool. Mikhail Bridges, also a big win, number 32 per game, drafted in the 60s. Green, green light, green arrow. Keldon Johnson, he's been a win so far, number 50, despite weirdly high turnovers. Just shooting the lights out from three-point land. He's been amazing from downtown. Uh, drafted in the 60s. He's a win so far. A lot of wins in that range. Remember I was talking about this. Remember I was like, look, I, like all these guys, they're not the old guys in that middle chunk anymore. We dodged the old guys there. Now you start to move towards the slightly later ADPs. Jakob Pertl, I think you're into the late 60s, early 70s now, thinking back. I'm going to mark him as a meh. He's been okay. His blocks haven't been there. Only 1.1 to this point. If and when that comes around, which I assume it will, it'll gravitate towards one and a half or maybe a little bit higher. He'll move up more towards where he was, so we'll call that one a meh. Jamal Murray is a meh, but that was one, again, where you knew you weren't even really going to be using him the first two to four weeks of the season. The fact that he's now suddenly turned good after two and a half weeks, I love it. That's faster than I thought he'd get there. I'm very close to calling him a green light because from this point to the end of the year, he's probably a top 50 fantasy play. But again, we'll be hard on ourselves. Call it a yellow light. Devin Vassell. Uh, I've got that one marked as a green light. I think he's been really good. He's number 42. Everything that you could have wanted when drafting him in the uh, round the 60 to 70 range. I think he ended up going a little bit earlier than that in, in a lot of drafts, but that's a green light. Al Horford. He might have been a red light uh, like two or three games ago. But Al's actually been number 27 over the last week. He's moved into the top 100. Uh, so he's a yellow light now. He's a middle-of-the-road guy, but he's coming, and he's on his way to being a green light as well. So I dig it. Gary Trent Jr. is also kind of a yellow light. He's number 90. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought he was going to get back to number 40, but he was getting drafted near, like, 80 to 100. And so the fact that he's, like, in that range makes him a yellow mark. Uh, the only thing that's holding him back right now is his free throw stroke. He's at 78. He's a slight negative. If he, he turns that into a slight positive, he moves up into the 70 to 75 range. And that's, I think, pretty much all you want out of him. You know, maybe the steals move from one and a half to 1.7, 1.8, and he can go top 60. But, you know, that'll, that would be a green light, obviously, as well. Brandon Clark. This is the other one besides Kawhi Leonard. That's just a total miss. Um, this one doesn't hurt you very much because you drafted him near 90 or 100. It's pretty easy to move on from a guy like that. He's just been bad, and he's the backup center now. So, miss. That's a miss. But you know who wasn't? Larry Markinen. One of the biggest wins also on our list. Markinen, number 17 right now. Not much more needs to be said. He's just been incredible. Even if he falls back a little bit, he's still a colossal win. Uh, Gordon Hayward, now we're getting into the the really late guys. This is like the, the dudes that are going 110 or later, and some of them are even are significantly later than that. Uh, Gordon Hayward I have marked as a meh. 
His rank is 156. Um, some of that is because of the game where he left after a couple of minutes, so that was sort of artificially lower. He was around 120, but a lot of that was... I mean, this is a guy who was averaging like 18 to 19 points, four boards, four assists, a steal over a three-pointer. He was shooting 49%, but his free throws were weirdly low. This is a mid-80s foul shooter who was at 78, and his turnovers were around three per ball game. So when those things figure themselves out... He was going to jump back inside the top 100, so I'm still not really afraid of it. He was always more of a roto type of grab, um, so he's a meh in my eyes. DeAnthony Melton, um, this is a green light right now. He's turned out to be really good in his role. There was got off to a, a slow start those first couple of ball games, but then we saw he was the winner when anybody was hurt on that team, and now... I mean, someone's pretty much always going to be out on the Sixers. He's shooting only 43.5% from the field, 71 at the free throw line, and he's still number 71 thanks to steals, blocks, uh, smattering of assists, and if any of that other stuff starts to come around, like if, especially while Harden's out, uh, we know Melton could go top 50 for this stretch. So that one's a, a victory, and I feel okay about that. Jalen Smith, he's a red arrow so far. It's been very up and down. He's number 166. Free throws have been much worse than expected. Field goal has been much worse than expected. I think a lot of that comes around. I'm not super worried about it, but he deserves a red light because it's been bad to this point. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that probably belongs on benches. Brooke Lopez was on the list. Ah, that one's a fun one. Brolo, uh, number 20, one of the massive, massive winners. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll settle in. Obviously, he's not going to be that high all season long, but still, that's going to be a big winner. Isaiah Jackson, I put a red light on him because effectively he's just not useful until Miles Turner gets moved. I don't know how long we're going to do this silly song and dance because the Lakers stink. They got to do something. You can't just throw this season away because there isn't really any guarantee that in the offseason when Russ comes off the books that you're going to get a star level player. I just like what is it about the Lakers that they feel like they need to add a third star? to be successful. We saw they were successful with LeBron, AD, and just the right other pieces. Contavious Caldwell-Pope was a good fit other piece. A bruising backup center was a good fit other piece. Now, we'll see if Thomas Bryant fills a little bit of that role. He's not a bruiser. He's more of an offensive mind. Um, Danny Green, who unfortunately is out for a long stretch. Guy who can play defense and shoot a three-pointer. KCP was a guy who can play defense and shoot a three-pointer. Alex Caruso was a good fit on that team. They tried to get cute, man. They tried to, like, we'll lean into the offense a little bit more. Nope, we'll lean into the defense a little bit more. We'll try to get LeBron, a, a playmaker, by his side. Psst. Just bite the bullet, man. Get yourself Buddy Heald. Get yourself Miles Turner. Get these guys that are obvious, terrific fits around LeBron, around AD, because Miles can spread the floor. He and AD are gonna be would be unbelievable rim protection. They can play together because they can both switch. Anyone that can shoot would be just terrific. But whatever. For now, Isaiah Jackson's buried, so you can't use him. Cam Johnson was on the list. He was on his way to being a really nice win, and then he blew out his meniscus. I do think that he's going to come back and dominate, but it's going to be a month and a half from now, so that's unfortunate. I can't give him a red light because we can see that he was on his way. He was numbered like mid-50s before the game he blew his knee out. So that stinks, but it is what it is. And then Mike Conley and Kelly Olenek, they were both the same thought, which was take a jazz, squeeze what you can out of them because they're going to blow their ADP away for at least the first half of the season, 
and the Jazz got are so good, they're going to blow their ADP away the whole year now. They've decided, we don't need to tank. So Olenek is, is right around number 80. Conley is, uh, where the hell is he at? 67 right now. Still shooting only 75% of the free throw line, by the way. Conley could get better. Those two are turning out to be really, really nice as well. And so overall, I feel pretty damn good about what we suggested, our 40-ish targets coming into the year. Kawhi is, you know, one that third-round pick could sink a team. Unfortunately, we ended up with that. But the beauty of it is, if you ended up with any of these mid- or late guys that are, you know, like five, six rounds ahead of where you took them, that can cover that up a little bit. So a Jimmy Butler, a Drew Holiday, a Porzingis, obviously Shea, Bain, McHale, uh, Vassell, Markinen, Brooke Lopez, Conley. There were a lot of really good ways to atone, shall we say, for the Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard goofer. But you know what? I don't feel that bad about it because Kawhi Leonard, Brandon Clark are the only ones on that list that I feel are really almost definitely not going to work. And then you've got a lot of names that came in great. Um, and so far, like, it makes sense because I have a lot of teams that are, do- that are doing really well. So I'm hoping that you guys do also. And that then brings us to our other topic of conversation today, which is a hard one to dig into a little bit more, but we kind of have to do it. And we've already touched on it touched on it when we were just talking about it a few seconds ago and that is that you need to go to thrivefantasy.com oh i got you guys right there thrivefantasy.com or the thrive fantasy app prop up and sign up now using promo code ethos to get a deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 250 dollars as we went through on yesterday's show all you really need to do is hit a quarter of your plays your cards not sure what the right lingo is there a quarter of your cards. And you can break even because of the deposit match bonus. You do any better than that, you end up up thanks to the deposit match. That's why you need to take advantage of it. Yes, you need to play with it. You can't just take the bonus and then cash it out. But like we said yesterday, you put in 100 bucks, they put in 100 bucks. You go 10 $20 contests. If you win even three of those... That's 120 bucks because it's the 20 you spent and then, you know, you get your 20 back or whatever. Maybe you're in like the top whatever and you can make more than that. It's really, really, really easy to stay ahead when they're doubling what you get to play with. The promo code, once again, is ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. It's our company. It should be pretty damn easy to remember. That's Thrive Fantasy and the ThriveFantasy.com, the website, Thrive Fantasy app available on uh, for all mobile devices. And if you want some assistance our dfs team is there to get you keith cork and crew check them out well i want to get keith over on this pod at some point he can tell us a little bit about how he goes through on that thrive deal but uh, again today you're stuck just listening to me and so the other topic i wanted to talk about today was is Kawhi leonard because it's been a full-blown disaster so far this year there's there is zero silver lining on any of it Kawhi played two games off the bench to try to ease him back in as easing as possible and it wasn't ease enough because immediately he felt tightness in his knee and they sent him back to LA to rehab he's now missed a little over two weeks 
already with no timetable for return, although he was spotted at the, the Clippers facility today, and so maybe there's a hope that he's getting a little bit closer. But this is, this is brutal. And rightly so, the folks that have Kawhi Leonard rostered are freaking out. And I have him in a few places. I mean, he was on that list there. And, you know, if he got to me at, like, thir- early 30s, I thought, all right, well, like, all I need is 55 games out of this guy. Well, 55 games is very much in jeopardy. Because if he misses 15 to 20 here, and I don't know how this is going to go, it's, ah, man, like, he's going to have to be really healthy the rest of the way, and he won't be. They'll give him games off. And on top of that, we don't know how many minutes they're going to let him play even when he does get back. I'm a pragmatic fellow. I'd like to say, oh, well, this is all going to be okay. But at the end of the day, it's probably not. This is probably a pick that's, not going to be okay. Now, what's the most likely scenario for Kawhi Leonard? Because there's a lot of different ways this is this could go. He could just like not play all year. He could come back and he could be fine in a week. The most likely, meaning the if you ran the simulation a billion times, the one that happens the most often is Kawhi Leonard probably plays on a strict minutes limit, no back-to-backs, starting a few weeks from now, and mostly sort of survives the season. They would be ultra careful. If there's any soreness at all, he rests. And you're probably looking at somewhere between 30 and 45 to 50 games played all season long with an, a minute per game count of probably in the 24 range when it averages all out. Because I think there's going to be a lot of 18 to 20s when they're trying to make sure he can handle it. At some point... The Clippers are going to have to test him out. And I can't just be in the playoffs. I can't be like, oh, Kawhi, you played 20 minutes all year. Now we need you to play 34. So the most likely, I believe, scenario is that he's out a couple more weeks. I don't know exactly how many. One, two, two and a half, three, something like that. I do think you see him in a game before November is over. But he pretty much plays every other day. He pretty much plays 20 minutes for like another two weeks after that and then 22 minutes for a couple weeks and then 24 for a couple of weeks and maybe at some point they work him up to like 28, four, seven-minute stretches, something like that. Which, to be fair, in 28 minutes, Kawhi Leonard is probably still a top 30 fantasy player. So like once you get to that juncture, it's not going to be a complete disaster. But when you roll it all together you're probably talking about someone who sits between 50 and 100 on a per-game basis and doesn't come anywhere near that by totals. So then, what do you do with Kawhi Leonard if that's the most likely scenario? Well, if you have him on your team, there's a, a likelihood that someone in your league thinks the outcome is a little bit better than what I just listed. Not like... uh a you know, massive pivot where like he's going to be fine in a week and just great the rest of the way. But someone who's just like, okay, well, he'll get back and then, you know, maybe he does play, goes like top 30, top 50 after that. Will that person give you a top 30 or top 50 player back? No, because he's not, he's not in right now. If he was healthy right now, you could get that. But that's not your problem. You're worried he's never coming back. So what I think you need to do is... Look at your league, 
figure out the teams that are willing to roll the dice, which is typically going to be a team that is bad and knows they need to do some crazy stuff to get back into it, or a team that's blitzing everybody at the top and can afford to give up like a 65 range player. I did some Twitter polling uh, Monday, not yesterday, I believe it was the day before yesterday, so I think it was Monday, where I was like, well, what would you take back if you were going to sell on Kawhi Leonard? And the answers were all across the board. Some folks wanted top 40, some folks wanted top 50, some said they would take anything at all. I think that, again, the most likely is that you could probably get someone with not a ton of name power, but a little bit of name power, like between 50 and 70. That's the type of guy I think you could get back. I think you could get, like, well, sadly, it'd be like a Mike Conley right now. Um, you could get Jared Vanderbilt back. You could get Wendell Carter Jr. back for Kawhi Leonard right now. You could definitely get the guys with minimal name power in there, like Royce O'Neal, Kevin Herter, Marcus Morris, KCP, but I don't think that that's really what you want anyway. If you're trading Kawhi, and this is a very important point, because I can't tell you what you're going to be able to get back. Every league is going to be different. I just think that's an area you could probably target. If you go above 50, you're, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get Vassell. You're not going to get Chris Paul. You're not going to get Gobert. You're not going to get Brandon Ingram. These guys just have too much name power. You might be able to get Kyle Lowry if you think he survives the season also. He's 53 right now. Has a real shot to be between 50 and 70 all season. But he, again, this is the other point I want to make. If you can get someone back in that 50 to 65 range, you should consider it. If the best you can get back is 75 or later, don't do it. And here's why. Now, this, that doesn't necessarily mean someone who's ranked between 75 and later right now. It means someone that you have graded out at being 75 or later when the season ends. So, like... Demonis Sabonis is number 76. He's obviously not a top 75 fantasy play. He's going to move up towards that probably 40 to 60 bucket. So that's the way you have to grade him out. Boyan Bogdanovich is at 75, and he probably, he very much is a 75 range guy. Alternate examples here. Cade Cunningham, ranked 84. He probably gets better than that as the season goes on. Scotty Barnes, same story. Bobby Portis, yeah, he's someone you could probably get in that neighborhood. Gary Trent, someone you could probably get. But let me once again warn you all, because I know so many of us, me, you, whoever, we're all thinking about hitting the panic button. Stop and think about it from this perspective. How much does an actual 80-range guy help your fantasy team in the long term? I'm not talking about by totals. I'm talking about per game right now. Because there are plenty of guys that are going to play in games that are going to have a much better totals rank than per game rank. How much would Sadiq Bey help your team right now? He would help your team in free throw percent somehow and a little, little bit in scoring in three-pointers. Now, if you have Kawhi Leonard and you're just taking zeros indefinitely, then the urge to trade obviously becomes a stronger one. But if he's sitting on your IL and you're just sort of like generally concerned that he doesn't play a game for you this year, I'm going to say something that's a little bit controversial and I'm happy to discuss it further on social media if you guys would want. And that is, 
it's better to sit on Kawhi Leonard the entire year than to have a plodding 80 range guy who plays in every single game the rest of the way. Which sounds nuts because we're talking, that's like a late seventh round pick. That's someone that you should want in your lineup. But those players, this year right now, it's 75 is the cutoff. So 76 and later, those are guys that are actually hurting your fantasy team more than they're helping it as compared to basically the average top like 150, 200 players. Only the top 74 to 75 players in fantasy right now are actually making a true positive impact to your team. The rest of them are just kind of holding the boulder in place. I like to use this boulder analogy. 75 and above, they're moving the boulder forward. 76 and below, they're either holding it steady, which is pretty much what 75 through about 100 is, and then outside the top 100, the boulder's kind of rolling back on them a little bit. And it's pretty easy to see if you look at the guys that are ranked at like 125. Uh, you know, Santi Aldama. He's a positive right now in blocks and turnovers. That's two out of nine categories. He's league average in rebounds and steals. And he's a negative in scoring, threes, assists, field goal, and free throw percent. Everybody looks at it, especially on the head-to-head side. You're like, yes, but I get, you know, if he plays four times this week, I get 37 points and 24 rebounds and four steals and four blocks. Yeah, you do. But, but, you'd basically be better off playing someone who just doesn't hurt you in the percentages at that point. Now, obviously, we all need 10 guys to start. It can't be, like, we can't all have a team of 75 guys or above. You need to fill out your roster with other dudes. The most important thing to think of here is if you don't have, say, Sadiq Bey, who would you then be replacing that slot with? Because, like, Kawhi's in your IL in this example. Is it someone like Aldama? Because the difference between Santi Aldama and uh, Sadiq Bey is 50 slots, but value-wise, it's not that different. (laughs) That's the amazing part. Or let's say you were able to find someone on the wire who's streaming at a little bit of a better clip than that. I don't know who. Lonnie Walker before he caught a cold. These guys are not that far apart. Whereas a healthy Kawhi, you know, let's say that he does somehow get his way up towards that 30 range. The difference between that and Bay is huge. So that's my controversial take on the Kawhi Leonard thing. If you can get someone 60-ish or better, you probably do it because that's a player that can actually move the ball forward a little bit and it's just a massive headache you're not worried about all year. But if it's later than that, which I think right now it probably generally will be unless you're hunting low name recognition. So Kyle Lowry, old, Capella, old. I don't think I even really want KCP for him. Conley, old, JV trending down. There are some depressed assets or old assets you could get in there. Wendell Carter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, etc. These guys that could actually help your team a little bit, and then you just don't have to think about it anymore. But again, if somebody's trying to peel Kawhi off of you with garbage, you still have to turn it down, even if you really don't want him on your team anymore. Pretty big Wednesday coming up tonight. 
We'll break it all down on social media. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys first thing tomorrow morning. So long, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today.